0: Be baby, be baby, be
1: baby. Welcome back, everybody, to another brand new episode of Your Favorite Podcast. This is the best of the best presented by the Maverick teams. I am your host, Maverick Levy. First and foremost, I'm sure we'll get some new listeners because we got a very cool guest on today's show. So welcome to all of you. If you have not done so, and if you're a regular listener, you're going to get tired of me saying this and tired of hearing it. But I want you to always remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave the podcast a review, make sure you tell the podcast about friends and family. I keep the intro short for everyone, but there's one thing I wanna mention. The guest of today's show is someone that has been a listener of the show, a supporter of the show, has interacted with the show, and took it among himself to reach out to me and say, hey, Maverick, I'm a young entrepreneur. I have a business. I'd love to come on the podcast. You think we can make it happen? And guess what? He's the guest of today's show. I'm excited for him to come on and talk about what he's been doing. He's a young hustler. I love to see the determination. I love to see the motivation. And I'm so excited to bring a listener on the show and let him talk about maybe some things that this podcast has inspired him to do or thought about things a little differently. So it's a cool moment for me to be able to bring a listener, bring a supporter on the show and have them share their story with all of you. And hopefully that some of you do something with this episode. Maybe someone reaches out to me. Maybe someone reaches out to him, right? I always hope that something comes of it, but if not, it's great education. It's a great conversation. And it's something we can look back on in time and say, hey, look where we were back then and look where we are today. So without further ado, Actually, let me throw in a little disclaimer because we might be talking about some stuff today. Everyone, please remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. I had to throw that in. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I do, depending upon the topic of the show or where the conversation's gonna go. So now I can say, without further ado, Let's jump right into this week's interview. As I said in the intro, we have a special guest, someone that's a listener, a supporter, also a a fellow young entrepreneur. I may butcher his name, so he may have to correct me, but his name is Nicholas. I'm going to introduce him formally as Nicholas. He goes by Nico, but Nicholas Pavier, and he is the founder of U.S. Athletic Performance. Did I get all that right, Nico. Yeah, man. You got it. All right. That's great. Good. Good. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have you on. To set the tone, I'm going to tell everyone the story of uh, how we met because I think it's a funny one and that we just stayed in contact over time. But to let everyone know, I met Nico in a bathroom at a Chicago bar years ago literally years ago and i don't even know how we started talking but uh he's originally from france right nico from france right yeah
0: yeah no yeah that's it yeah. yeah
1: and uh we just stayed in touch and then he'd always uh been a big supporter of the show and everything i've done and we've always showed love to each other on social media and as uh, things has progressed and got busy in my life, I wanted to get Nico on the podcast and now we finally have done it here. He's got a great business, one that's working very well. I looked uh, earlier today, Nico, preparing for this interview, seems like you got some athletes signed recently, so that's awesome. So uh, what we'll do to lay some more foundation for the listeners that are listening right now is I want you to just go in depth about sort of your story, right? How you came to America and then transition that into what your business is now and sort of what your goals are and what you're looking to do. And I may interject, ask some questions, interrupt you. So forgive me in advance if I do that. But the floor is yours, Nico, to kind of tell your story here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I was
0: talking with a friend today just before this, and it was at the Dime in Chicago. Yeah. The bar was the Dime. And I did remember that. That was funny. But yeah, no, as you said, it was great keeping in touch. And it's funny to see where kind of life took us. And I'm happy to do this right now. So uh, that's awesome. But yeah, so I think the main thing that I would like people to take away from this is really just trying to make the most out of each opportunity that you have, you know, and so that's really the way I saw it. So I grew up in France, like one hour south of Lyon for people who know, so like not much going on there. And, you know, when I was a junior in high school, I figured I wanted to go study abroad and kind of get out of what I was used to. And, you know, the U.S. came up in my mind because I was playing golf in competition and I saw other people were going abroad and being able to study and do golf at the same time, get scholarships, so I decided to do that. And so for that process, I hired a recruiting service. So, you know, people will spend tremendous amount of money because they don't really speak English. They don't know anything about the process, the schools. They won't be able to make the difference between two given schools, even if for you Americans, it's like, how can you even put those two schools on the same level? You know, like there's not even a talk about that. So I used one of those. It didn't go well. I actually decided to get a take a gap year because I wasn't very happy about the schools I had. And then I made like a really good progress that year when I took my gap year, despite my great progress, got zero new offers. So I ended up joining a school in Chicago, Roosevelt University, which I had a great time there. But just, you know, like along the way was like, I probably got to the level where I could have gotten D1 offers. But you know, like my agent didn't really relay that information. And so I ended up
1: you know, in another school that was maybe not at that level. And I'm going to stop you there for a second. Where, I guess, on the trajectory of someone that's in high school in France, is it a big aspiration to try and go to college in America? Is that what a lot of people want to do? Or were you sort of the odd one out in that scenario? Yeah, no, definitely an odd one. You know, I still laugh about
0: it because I had teachers that said, like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, they're like, we can help you go into that, you know, prep school or like business school that's a narrow way, but we've never heard such things, you know, and like a lot of those business schools in France will do like a semester abroad, you know, part of your studies, but it's just not the same thing than like going into the culture. So, yeah. And then I just got here. So, you know, like I decided, okay, I'll go to Roosevelt University, downtown Chicago. And again, a lot of my criteria weren't really respected and all of that, but, you know, here I am landing in the U.S. and I barely speak English And I will remember i land at the airport, spend like two hours at customs. And then I'm on the train with my coach and the captain and literally can barely speak English. Uh, My first night in Chicago, land there, I didn't know sheets didn't come in the bedroom, you know. So here I am sleeping like, you know, on a towel and I got like my pillow wrapped up in my shirt, you know, like and just sleeping like that. And, you know, that's great experience, but it went well. But basically, really where it took off for U.S. athletic performance was my first, no, my second semester, I had an intro to business class. And we had this teacher, she's named Kim Brown. She's listening, you know, she's a really good entrepreneur person as well. But so she said, hey, listen, like, we'll follow the book and all of that. But the way I want to structure the class is think about this idea that you always want to develop. And like, we'll try to work on that. And so I was like you know, that's awesome. I have one. And so she really put the structure around it. We did uh, this entire business model together and all of that. And this is how it took off. And so from there, you know, really just use that. And that was
1: the beginning of the story. So I want to rewind for a second. When you had voiced in France in your school that you wanted to go to school in America, at the time, did you know it was going to be sports oriented? I didn't catch that part. Did you know that you wanted to go and play a sport at an American college? Was that sort of, did it go hand in hand with each other? You weren't going to just go study abroad. You also wanted to play a sport as well.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, the idea was I was far better at school than I was at sport, but I was still pretty decent to get a scholarship. So the idea was really, let's try to get a good school and, you know, try to get to play golf on the side so it can pay for some of it, right? Through like a athletic scholarship. So, but yeah, that was always the idea. I don't think I would have done it without the golf part just because it would have been way more expensive and the culture in France is different. Like we just don't take student loans. You know, it's like out of school, people in France, I was reading an article about this and it was like, I think the top five firms, you know, paying firms out of school, people were making like, maybe like 35, 40 grand a year, you know, out of school, like two years out of school. And you were like top five firms in the country, you know? So people will make like 25,000, maybe 30, like two, three, four years out of school. So it's just not in the culture to go and like, you know,
1: go get a student loan for like, $200,000 or whatever. So It's crazy to hear another perspective, right? We're relatively the same age. So for me, it's crazy to hear about a completely different perspective, literally across the globe of what your mindset was like at that time. Because for me, right, it's normal, right? Thank God I was not in the position where I had to take on a student loan. But at the same time, there were peers around me that did have to take that on. And I, honestly, it's something that I think is a bigger issue at hand, right? Which I'm not going to talk about today. But it's a bigger issue at hand in terms of is that the mindset? Like, are you going to go and grab this opportunity? Or are you scared to take out the loan? And are you scared to sort of make that jump and leap? In your instance, you were smart, right? You were savvy. You realized I can do this. And I can have some of it paid for or all of it paid for if I can get a scholarship from a great school. So obviously, that kind of sounds like that paved your path. And then you started the business class. And you know, your professor shout out. It's a girl, right? Kim, I would have as a girl. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, shout out to her that she sort of got your mindset working. And I love an educator, a leader like that, that instead of just giving you a textbook and giving you a syllabus, gets your mind actually working and focused. I think if she is listening to this and does listen to this, shout out to you because I'll tell you, I went through four years of formal education at a very prominent university and I don't think I had one teacher. May Actually, I take that back. I had one teacher that gave me something of what I'll call a real life. Scenario and tried to put something together. So, talking about US Athletic Performance, the company that you have founded now, walk us through what exactly it is, as if you were literally talking to a fifth grader. What do you do?
0: Yeah. So, basically, what I do is I'll have families reach out. So, you know, now it's grown a little bit to where. You know, maybe I have partnerships with academies back home, things like that. But typical thing is someone has heard about me through another golfer, young golfer back in France. They'll call me and say, hey, look, I'm 16 or 15. I have the idea, the project to go to the U.S. for college. I play golf and I'm trying to get a scholarship to pay for my school there and I need help. I don't know anything. I don't know how to do it and how can you help me so together what we'll do is you know there's multiple parts to it but basically a lot of it is information that i'll be giving them so you know just explaining how the system works i mean from literally like insurance to you know i mean like how do you play tournaments there and how they work um so explain that to them and then what we'll do is you know they'll give me their criteria so maybe it's about location level of golf they need, level of academics, what they want to study, things that are important for them. And then I'll just take the list of the schools that are in the different division and then, you know, basically narrow down based on all these criteria that they've done. And then I have the contacts with most of these coaches, you know, over time I've built relationships with them. So to see kind of what are their needs and what they're looking for. So then I can send the profiles of my players. To these coaches establish you know the connection and then i'll assist all my players throughout the time of like interviewing with coaches you know like be able to meet the coaches through a call etc ask the right questions and then you know i'll help them throughout everything to make sure we don't miss any details and then i'll try to guide them you know while it's time to make a decision try to guide them in that process as well and once they sign with a school choose a school that leads us to this last part that would be more the administrative process making sure you know we get everything right they're applied to the school we get the visa and and everything but this was the very simplified version there's way more (laughs) you know there's a lot more things going on but this is the easy version
1: i'm sure and so you you talked a lot in the beginning of when you were starting to explain about building relationships and that you've built relationships with coaches i assume coaches in france and your home region right as to all right this player is this so tell me about as a young entrepreneur how did you go about building those relationships and where is the value that they really see you provide obviously you sort of try and connect them with the right school and match them essentially with the right school that fits all their needs and all checks all the boxes for them but i really want to focus on that because i think as someone young right it's very rare to find someone young that is willing to make those relationships and that understands the importance of building upon those relationships. So how did you start doing that? Was it a phone call back to one coach and hey, I want to start doing this or walk us through that process a little bit? Yeah, and you know, I
0: think there's two parts to this. So as you said, there's the part and I'll touch on it, but there's a part to the French coaches and how am I going to get my first clients? Because basically it's what it is. You know, it's like the agencies that today exist in France, are terrible. That's what I was thinking, right? When I'm like 6 months in college and I'm like everyone is giving bad feedback. I'm texting them, it takes them a week to answer to me like how am I going to improve this whole system? But then it's like even if I have all these great intentions and think I'm good at what I'm going to be doing, it's how am I going to get this first client that's going to be, yeah, I'll trust you with my 16-year-old kid that I'm going to send into the US, you know? I mean, it's a big deal like to gain yeah. that confidence. And so I was like thinking about it and I started reaching out to a lot of people and, you know, through Instagram mainly or people that I would know that maybe knew someone that wanted to go, but it wasn't really, you know, that successful. What really worked really well, and I'm so thankful for it, is back in the time I texted a coach that was one of the best coaches in France and I said, hey, do you have any players that are interested in going to the US? And he said, hey, look, like, Right now, I'm training a girl. Her name is Melis. She is top three in France, like all ages. And she's going to go to the US. It's pretty advanced. She's right now choosing between UCF and South Carolina. But we could welcome you, you know, kind of take over from here and help us throughout the entire process. And of course, we'll advertise for you and all of that. And at this point, I really wasn't thinking about the fee. I didn't get paid for that. That was our deal, you know. But I was like, if I can get her name you know, associated to the name of my brand, that will be awesome. And, you know, I wasn't wrong. Like when that started, it built my credibility to everyone, you know, because they saw that and I started getting more and more people. And at the beginning, it's pretty freaky, right? Because people start signing with you and they're like, that's awesome. You do this. Let's go to the U.S. Like, that's perfect. And you're like, wait, that was great. I got clients, but now I got to send them to the U.S. And you're like, which coaches do I know in the U.S.? Like, I could see that all these schools could be good fit for them. But like, who do I know there? And you look at the list of coaches, which is also a lot of work. I mean, you have a thousand schools. You got to go on their website and pull up all the data from emails and everything. And you send them emails and they don't know you. Probably had a bad experience with an old agency. So that was the biggest part, actually, now. And it still is. You know, it's like, hey, look, I'm young. I just got out of college. I mean, I understand your struggles as a coach getting an international player because, you know, it's not like they can go see you every weekend as a player. Um, So I'm really trying to build this relationship of trust with them where they're like, okay, like players that are, you know, like brought to us by Nico, he knows what we're looking for. And I built this comparison. So I built this entire stat program basically where, they can compare a player playing in France on the difficulty of the course that the player is playing in France versus the scores of their player playing on an American course with its difficulty and compare both. So they can actually get a really good idea of where that player would rank in their team. Um, So just things like that to assist them. But, you know, it's been really successful. So it's amazing. Uh, I did find out that on the girl side, there's a lot of demand for international players because there's a lot of programs. So even if there are a lot of female golfers, there's not enough to fulfill all the spots that are available. And on the male side, it's a little more competitive. So it's a little harder. And, you know, that's where I spend most of my time, really just trying to get answers from coaches. And for that, you know, that's where you try to get inventive. Like you try to cold call. Usually it doesn't work. Emails, but again, not always the best way to do it. I really found that as you start to grow and, you know, show one coach that you're doing good work. I mean, I have coaches that didn't even end up signing my players, but because they saw how much I was working and putting efforts and following up and always, you know, like be communicative, they're like, hey, look, we didn't get this kid, but let me promote you to my buddy who's a coach at this other program. And I ended up signing kids to these programs, you know, at the end because, you know, everyone was like, oh my gosh, I needed this relationship with someone who had gone through the process, is in France, and, you know, knows what he is doing, basically. So that's how it
1: started. Nico, I have to say, man, it truly is an amazing story. And I think there's a couple things I want to pull out. Number one, the consistency, right? You've listened to the show, so you understand sort of what the show is about. You all, meaning the listeners, need to understand that Nico stayed consistent with it. And consistency always wins, always. Consistency always wins. Following up, calling, emailing, even when you get no response, keep following up, keep emailing, staying consistent with it. That always wins. The other thing I want to pull out of there is that there was a point in time, and I think people don't recognize this as you dive into business, you're never going to know it all. You're never going to know what you're doing, you just do it and you see what works. And what doesn't work, you don't do again. What does work, you continue to do. And I think what you talked about is, right? You were just trying to make it happen. You didn't know what the hell you were doing realistically. You were just figuring it out along the way. And I think a lot of young entrepreneurs that are in our age range, they get nervous because they think you need to know it all. I need to know how to do this. I need to know. You don't need to know. Just do it. You're never going to learn unless you just do it. And I think that's a valuable part of what you talked about in explaining the origin story of how everything has started is that you just stayed consistent and you didn't get tired. You just kept going and kept going and kept going and followed up with people. One question I want to ask going off track a little bit. You didn't know much English when you got to the United States, right?
0: None, absolutely none. You know, like our English classes in France are about what your French classes are in the U.S. So, you know, it's recreation time. So, I mean, I did know some vocab, but
1: putting it together in sentences was pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, and the reason I asked that question is because look how far you've come now, right? You're yeah, on a podcast no, where you're speaking English. We're having a full conversation. I comprehend what you're saying. You're going in depth about granular details. You comprehend what I'm saying. You're answering the exact question that I'm asking you. And so, kudos to you, man, honestly. You should... It's very important as an entrepreneur to take a step back every once in a while and appreciate how far you've come. And I hope you do that because it truly is awesome to hear your story and understand how you got this whole thing started so now that you kind of have some credibility in the industry how are people finding you is it all word of mouth in france and this coach is telling this coach hey you got to hit up nico and use nico or how are you growing and scaling the business at this point in time
0: Yeah. So there was really a transition period because there was a transition where I started getting people that would see me on Instagram, things like that. They would reach out and that was great. But then I was like, how to go up, you know, in amount of players. And this is where I started doing this thing with a couple states where there is a state federation of golf. I mean, Florida has it, for example, it's like Florida Golf Association. And I reached out to these people and said, Hey, look, I'm trying to do this. I'm a young kid. I was, you know, I'm in college right now. And, you know, I would love to just pitch about, you know, college golf. And it worked because they all said, hey, listen, that's great. All these parents have questions. It's non-binding. Like, let's just do it. And so I started doing that and really got the name out. And at the same time, my first class, I mean, we're talking about all of this. Right now, I would have about maybe like 45 players under contract. I have one in the U.S., so, you know, that's what's crazy is all these people are really trusting that all yeah. of this works, you know, yeah. And they, but there is no actual evidence. I mean, I know that I've done a good job and these kids will love it, but it's really how much, you know, it also takes on their end to trust. So, like, shout out to all my clients that, you know, were confident in the process. But, yeah, at this point now, I've connected with most of the coaches. I have most of the really good players in France. So, we made these pins. They're on their golf bags, you know just whenever they're at tournaments. And it's a small word, you know, so parents talk together. And as a matter of fact, I, I've been trying to recruit someone to help me out just because starting a new job in New York, uh, you know, I'm going to try to find a, a place where I can be a little more in the supervision, at least for some of the business. But it's not easy. You know, that's when you realize also entrepreneurs is not for the entrepreneur mindset, is not for everyone. Uh, yeah. And, you know, people... You have to explain to them that it starts slow and, you know, maybe in two years, you know, like you'll start to see the fruit of it, but it's not easy to find
1: the right people. So this is what I've been trying to focus on. Listen, you clearly get it. You get it. And that's why you're excelling. And that's why you're doing very well. But Nico, how are you getting paid? How are you making money? Is the family, are they paying you to put this whole deal together? How do you get paid?
0: Yeah, so there are strict rules with the NCAA, which is the sports organization in the U.S. They say that, you know, you can't get paid a percentage of the scholarship they're getting. You can't get paid by the schools. And so it really is more on the other end where parents will pay you a straight fee. So right now, for example, for my service, I'm not shy to share, but... We charge about $3,600, which is still far away under some American companies, you know, what they would charge. My goal is not to be, you know, I could probably charge a little more for the demand that I have. But I also want to make it affordable for these families because I see how much value I got out of it and how much it changed my life. And so that's also the goal, you know, it's the way to give back. I mean, And so that's the way I see
1: it. But that's really how I make money through the parents. That's, listen, man, I'm so proud of you. Honestly, as a friend, I'm proud of you. It's awesome what, what you've built. How many people have you matched so far from players to schools? So we've
0: matched, I just got a commitment yesterday morning. One of my great players uh, is going to University of Central Arkansas. Um, but we've matched about, I'd say, I mean, a lot is going to come in, like in these next two months in a lot of commitments, but so far about 13 and about like 10 more to come. So we're going to be hopefully around 25, you know, by the beginning of the year and a lot more to come. And I think we're to the point where we've capped it for 24, 25 and 26, those classes. But yeah, no, it's really successful. And, you know, some great stories. I mean, I have two players right now going on a full ride, one at University of Notre Dame and the other one at University of Maryland. So, you know, it's also fun to work with players that are very motivated and, To them, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, what an experience, like, thanks to your work, you know, because I also see comparison where, you know, it's a challenge too at some point because I have players, the other agencies have maybe players that have similar level than my players. And it's fun at the end of the process to see like, okay, you sent yours to this one. I sent mine to this one, which is far better. You know, at what point something happened? And I have a couple ideas on that. But, you know, that's also what's fun is you're really changing lives. And, you know, these kids like will be thankful forever. And so that's an amazing position to be
1: in. Wow. I can't stop saying, wow, it's such a crazy business model. I'll tell you, Nico, I don't watch sports, right? I don't know sports. I don't watch sports. And to hear that this business model is out there is more evidence to everyone out there that, If you're not doing something or making something happen, it's on you, right? You saw a very specific niche industry to go into and you've excelled in it. And that's what it's all about when you talk about building a business from the ground up is finding it and obsessing over it and making sure that it's perfect every single time. So at what age do you start recruitment and start looking? Because obviously, someone goes to college in the US at 18. You mentioned 16. Is that the age you start really looking for? Hey, all right, in the next couple of years, we're going to try and match you? Or when does that process start for them?
0: Yeah, so usually the best recruits will start talking with coaches about two years before the time they get on campus. Um, so right now, for example, my 2025 recruits, my best 2025 recruits are talking with coaches right now. So, you know, maybe I started with them six months ago um, so we could start creating their profile getting them in English lessons, prepping them for interviews, all of that process, that's a little, you know, before we start airing their profile to coaches. But yeah, no, and, you know, that's what you said. I listened to your podcast that you did, you know, the last podcast that aired, and it was really interesting because you said you were really detail-oriented and all of that, and that's how the way I felt. And so what happened, I think, is I realized I started working with a sports psychologist when I was in college and she became my life mentor, you know, like therapist, everything, you know, in one. And she's amazing. And she said, look, I don't think you create the wheels. You know, she said, like, I don't think you're an inventor, but I think you're really good at reinventing what already exists and be able to analyze stuff that's out there. And by spending time analyzing it, be able to figure out a way to make it better And, you know, that's really where I encourage people, you know, because when I was younger, it was a little stressful when I was like, I'd say from 12 to 17 years old, I was like, man, I want to make money. I want to live the American dream and start my things. And, but when is my idea going to come? You know, when is my time going to come? And in college, I realized everything was just around me. You know, it's like the life you're living right now Take some time to stop and look around and there's something that exists that can be improved. And that's really, you know, the biggest thing I have, the biggest advice. And that's the way I try to train my brain recently. Um,
1: and that's really my best advice. Now, listen, I, I love having a listener on the show because you bring up past episodes, right? And reference them. But you're 100% right, Nico. I think there's people are always looking to create the next best product, but Let's take a look around us, right? There's tons of products out there that people just don't care to make better, right? Maybe it's there the old saying if it's not broken don't fix it, right? I feel like indifferent about that depending upon what it is, but there are things in this world that need fixing, that you can make more efficient. You can apply technology, you can apply different systems, different processes and make them better. That is essentially one of the businesses right now that I'm in the process of helping build. And we've been building and we've been doubling our book of business almost every single month. And it's not, we didn't invent a new process. We didn't, we're didn't. we not doing anything different. We're just doing it better than the competition that's out there. And seriously, we are breaking ground in one of my businesses in Lead Clinic in a multi-billion dollar industry. You're talking, you know, tens of billions of dollars this industry is worth. And here we are breaking ground where you have CEOs of publicly traded companies coming to us and asking us for assistance. So to your point, we're doing the same type of thing, right? We are literally only making the process better and we are not reinventing the wheel. We're not. We're not. We're just making it better. So I agree with you 100% and I'm glad to hear another fellow entrepreneur that's young and motivated to say those same words and to understand that details are important. People our age, they don't care about the details for some reason. I don't know why they don't, but they should because the details are what make you separate and be different than everyone else, right? It's what separates you and makes you different and makes you quote unquote the odd one out, but really you're just a detail oriented person. So with that all being said, I'm gonna pivot for a second What do you think the hardest part for you was coming to America? You know, when you landed on that plane and you were all alone, what was the hardest part for you? I think the hardest was definitely the language. You know, like this
0: eight hours, nine hours in the plane, you're kind of thinking like, wait, I'm going to land there. And somehow my admission person, she put me in business law my first semester. Um, That was definitely a challenge. I think, you know, that's one of those where you're like, English 101 is already pretty tough. So, you know, like uh, that's going to be complicated. But I think really that's what's hard. And then the first semester, it gets lonely, you know, like you're just homesick. And I was lucky enough that I was downtown Chicago and there were other internationals on my team. So, you know, it helps like it's not like. I'm a little far away from a lot of things and among really American culture, which sometimes does create a shock and, you know, you don't really have someone to relate to. um, I was fortunate to not be in that position. But, I mean, at this point, it's everything is a change. And now looking at it in a different perspective, helping those kids, it's we were so young, you know, it's we were so young. Like we didn't know anything and we just ended up being by ourselves, like, you know, in the US at 18, and the world is yours, but you don't know much. So, you know, it's a lot of work for everything and a lot of bad things could have happened and they didn't. So it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. And how was your experience in Chicago? Did you enjoy living there and being there?
0: Yeah, I loved it. So what happened is my freshman year. So when I was you know, starting this business,
1: COVID happened in March. So I actually went. We home were talking. I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. We were talking, right? Like you were sending me videos, live updates from France. This is what France looks like during COVID. It was crazy. Sorry, I just had I think, to interrupt. Yeah,
0: no, I think I jumped in one of your Instagram live, and we yep. did that. I do remember that. Yeah, no, and so, yeah. I mean, it was a challenge, you know. So went home for a full year there. And then I came back. So really like sophomore, junior, like end of sophomore year, junior years, those were like the good years where Chicago was great. And, you know, we're coming back from France and all of that. But I had a great time. I think Chicago is amazing. And, you know, again, another advice for everyone is like, you're sending, okay, whatever you want to do in life, whatever industry you've chosen, or you may not even know yet, pick the best people in that industry. And I'm not saying, I think that was one thing too that worked for me is when I needed answers or wanted to see if I liked the field or something, you know, people sometimes say, go for the first people, the assistants, and they'll help you. I've always shot at, you know, the CEO, the director, because I wanted the real experience. You know, I'm like, what it is, what do you like about this industry? Because you have a look over the entire industry. And so you have a student email, everyone will answer to you. I think like, you know, It's one of those where you send an email and these people are like someone at some point has helped me and I'm thankful that today I'm in the position where I can help someone and a lot of people will take it this way. And this is where I think studying in a large city was really helpful for that because it just gave me access to tremendous amount of opportunities that way.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think for everyone listening out there, if you attend a university or a college and you have that .edu at the end of your email, right, I think that's a big help because there are not a lot of young, motivated individuals. So if you present yourself as such, you're going to excel 10 times more than you would if you didn't have that .edu because they recognize automatically how old you are and sort of where you are at the stage of your life. So that's a great point that you bring up, Nico. Seriously, that's a fantastic point. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is your interpretation on the experience of living in America versus living in France. I think, you know, I don't get too political, so I'm going to refrain from it, although there may be times now in the future where I seem to be, but... What is your overall takeaway between life in America and life in France? I mean, clearly an indicator to me, I know you've been dating your girlfriend for a while, but you've chosen to stay in the US and not go back home, right? Why is that? And again, let's just talk about your experiences in both places and some highs and lows.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think, okay, here you go. That's the catchphrase. But what happened is one day I heard someone said that, and I think it's the best comparison. You see someone in the U.S. driving, you know, a Lamborghini passing by and you're like, how did this guy got that car? You know, I need to wake up early tomorrow, stay up later tonight and, you know, do something right now because I want this car. I want this lifestyle. In France, it's like how did this guy get that, how lucky, how blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I hope he's paying his taxes and not sending money away. And, you know, nothing with being political again, but that's just the way it is. It's different culture. And what's crazy to me is in France, they teach you really well. I mean, our high school is so hard. Like, it's like 40 hours a week, four-hour test every week in a different subject. So you would spend your weekends, like, reviewing for it. And it was so hard And, you know, all of that to then kind of get out in the system where you're working and people are like 32, 35 hours a week and don't do too much. And it's a very corporate world where entrepreneurship is just not out there. Like, you know, it's really hard. And if you do succeed, it's taxed very high. So people end up leaving. And also just it's an entire system where and look, I've just started to realize that because my dad is an entrepreneur in France and he's really good, but he's not you know, he's doing great, but he would be doing so much better here in the U.S. because it's, you know, when there's money in the system, people end up with more spending money. So they are more willing, you know, to just go try things and experience things and buy something that they might not need, you know. And that's, to me, the biggest difference is if you have a good idea in the U.S., you'll be rewarded for it. And in France, it's just hard to see, you know, The light at the end of the tunnel, like you just never know. You may have the greatest idea ever, but there is no margin. So if a bad time happens like COVID, you may have a great store, great something. You'll be the first thing cut down because there's no spending money. There's no extra cash. And so people, you know, will cut down on the pleasure things.
1: That's so interesting that you say That growing up in France, you see someone driving a nice car, I'll use your example, right? And it's kind of like someone looks down upon them being like, you know, how did they do that? Why did they do that? What's going on? You know, and in America, I hope that rhetoric is not changing. I really do because I agree with you. I think in America when, you know, like I love cars, I have some cool cars, right? whenever I see a little kid that wants to come sit in the car or is looking at the car, I always encourage that because I think that builds and not that you should be working towards material things if that's not what you like, right? Me personally, I love cars. That's like my excitement. When I go home every day, I'm excited to get in my car and get to drive home. I I personally have a passion for automobiles. But with that being said, I think it's one of those things where in America, it almost is like everything is obtainable. You just have to work to get there. And I think that's what people forget sometimes. And that's why I wanted you to highlight that point. I didn't know that was the point you were going to make, but that's kind of why I was pushing you in that direction was I wanted you to highlight that because when you were telling your story, you talked about as a little kid, you wanted to live that American dream. And I never want that to go out the window, right? This episode, or my last episode, excuse me, recently charted in the entrepreneurship category in Hong Kong, China. How, why, who's listening there? I don't know. I love you and I appreciate you, but I don't know (laughs) who that is. But I'll say, and the reason I bring that up into this conversation is, to show and emulate that we have someone that has worked his ass off, literally since the time he landed, since the wheels touched down in American soil, and he has worked every single day to ensure that he stays here, to ensure that he has a future that is financially free, to ensure that he has stability, right? You have work ethic, you have all these things, and I never want that to go out the window for anyone else listening. And that's why, Nico, I love what you're doing by bringing people to America because the people that you're bringing here are the type of people that are necessary in society, right? They have made it a mission to come to America, play sports on a very rigorous schedule, go to a highly accredited academic place of education and get a formal education there. You are bringing the hard workers and people that really have a dedication to perform well and do well into America. So for that, I'll salute you and say thank you for doing that because I think that... Talking to you, right, if young American-born people can talk to you, I think it might expand their mindset a little bit. And I hope we do that with this episode on top of showcasing and highlighting your company. I hope we highlight how important it is to work hard because I think unfortunately, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I feel that young people in America around our age are losing that drive. They don't have as much gas in the tank as the generations before us did. Do you feel that way? Do you see that? Because I guess let me phrase it like this. When you were a little kid saying, I want to live the American dream. Now you're in America. Now you're starting to build upon that dream. And I would say you're living it, Nico, right? Like you're living part of your dream right now. You have a business, you have a job, you have a girlfriend, you're living at a new place in New York City. You are living the American dream. So with that being said, do you see that kind of going down a little bit in America now that you've been here? Yeah, I think
0: you know it's easy to take things for granted And that's, you know, you don't realize it. I mean, of course, you know, it's like your perspective always becomes different once you look at your home country being in another culture. And, you know, that's where I figured a lot of things about friends that I didn't know that, you know, were at some point going to put barriers on my, you know, like progress if I hadn't left. And, you know, I think that's the same thing for Americans. It's like, yes, things aren't perfect. And there are a lot of things to complain about. And, you know, it's easy to get discouraged because it's also a fast-paced, you know, world here in the U.S. where you might have a job today and tomorrow you're fired or, you know, people don't need you anymore. But that's the culture of your country. And, you know, look, like you have a lot of success stories here. So, like, you can't get discouraged. And, you know, yeah, it's hard. But also, you know, it's worth the reward at the end if you're willing to put in the hours. And, you know, I think also COVID hasn't helped. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff even I saw going into, you know, being in college while COVID happened. A lot of even teachers, they become okay with like picking tests where every single answer was online, you know, and things like that. And it's like your mission as a student and as a person to be able to say, hey, look, I'm not going the easy way and I'm ready to push the hours. Because a lot of the things you're doing right now, being at school, for example... You're not doing it to get good grades tomorrow or in a month or to graduate. You're doing it to set yourself up for what's to come and the real world because people out there, you know, they're it's not the same when it's for money. So you want to get ready and you want to be ready to hit ground when it's time, you know, so this is all, all a setup.
1: Yeah, no, you're 100% right with that. And I think it goes to show, right, the position that you're in now, doing what you're doing, working hard, building a business from the ground up. It emulates to everyone out there that it's possible. It's possible to be done. You just got to work towards it. You brought up in the last couple of sentences that you said about it may be hard, right? And I think something that people don't understand is it's, always going to be hard. It's just what hard do you want? Do you want the hard where you're scraping money together or do you want the hard where you're sacrificing going out with your friends to build a company? The hard of, hey, I have to employ X amount of people and you know what? We're growing and it's hard and it's stressful, right? There's different kinds of hard. I think people think once you have a business and you're an entrepreneur and things are moving and you have people paying you to do and perform certain tasks, that it's easy or you can just relax a little bit. In fact, I think it's the opposite. It's more stressful. It's more difficult. It's more challenging. It's harder. So I think that people don't necessarily realize that. Like I said, I think it's just one of those things where it's so important to hear a story like yours for everyone to remember what's possible and for everyone to remember what you're capable of doing and how you can build towards something. So as we wind down to the last bit of the interview, Nico, a couple last questions that I'll have for you. Number one is, are there any other sports that you're focused on besides golf? I know you do a lot in the golf road because that's your bread and butter. But if you're not doing it currently, do you plan on expanding to some other sports?
0: Yeah. So again, you know, I just started this new job in retail brokerage in New York City, which is what I studied in commercial real estate. And that was kind of the question, you know, I ran into one of my mentors slash investors in Chicago and said, Hey, look, I feel like I'm capped on this business. Like, I don't see how I'm going to scale it. You know, like I see how I can take care of golfers, but I don't know how to scale. And he said, look, you can do this. And in two hours, we created this crazy business models worth like millions of dollars, you know, ideas that were fantastic. But the problem is, it takes people, and so uh, you know, as of right now, I want to sp- focus my time on commercial real estate, and so I don't have time to continue to expand. But yeah, I mean, there is a demand for other sports, other countries. That's tremendous. People are asking me because I had to come to the point where, if I can't find employees, I have to cap my numbers so I could continue to give decent, great service to all my clients, and clients who I tell like, hey, look, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. Like I can share resources, but I just can't physically help you. They say, hey, would you recommend? And I'm like, it's so sad, but I just, I just don't have someone for you. Yeah. Like text me if you need help and I'm happy to help out as I can, but I just can't take new people. And so I think in a couple years, Maybe the discussion will be different and, you know, I'm still looking for someone. So if I can find a great person to help me out and really take on this entrepreneurial position, um, you know, maybe things will change. But as of right now, I think this is the way it's winding down. It's going to be more of a passion and for kids that really want it, 10 to 15 players a year that really want it and, you know, are dedicated
1: to it. And for me, it'll be a pleasure to help them and, you know, through that process. Here's what I say, Nico, I hear the passion in your voice, right? When you talk about this, you should reevaluate with yourself. I'm saying this to you as a friend and as a fellow entrepreneur. If this is the route you go down, I think you can become extremely successful in doing it. Commercial real estate will always be there will this opportunity always be there for you? I don't know. It's something for you to think about, but it seems like you're very passionate about it and you're in a place where you have these contexts to make it happen. And as things progress and change, if you don't spend too much time and focus on it, you know, it's one of those things where I know you'll help the 10 to 15 every year, but could you help the 150 to 250 every year, right? I think it's something that Listen, I would work day and night when you can on this. Obviously, you need you know a job to support the rest of your life and make sure that there's money flowing in so you can do this as well. But I would say, Nico, I really would encourage you just by hearing the passion in your voice and looking at the success you've had thus far in the short time of doing this, I would say that You should really think about which direction you want to go in because like you said way earlier in this interview it's not going to come right away it's going to take time to build towards it so if you start building it now It's going to take probably years and years and years and you'll never be to a place where you're comfortable. I hope you're not because when you're comfortable, that's the worst thing you can do in life. So that would be my little advice to you. But two last questions for you. The first one is, how can someone contact you if they want to reach out to you, bounce questions off you, ideas, getting in touch with you? How do they do that?
0: Yeah, uh, they can just go into my Instagram. You know, that's probably the best way to do it. Just shoot me a DM there. My Instagram is Nico, N-I-C-O and then part of being french i don't know how you called that one it's like the underscore underscore is it the one? you got it yep. you got it yep there you go underscore and then my last name Pavier. p a v i e t and they can just shoot me a text on there you know i'm always on i'm always uh, available and i'm happy to talk with people you know about whatever it is if you have questions about entrepreneurship or you know like college sports and you're in high school and you just have a couple questions and you're like yeah. hey how do I do this? What's your opinion? And I'm so happy to help whoever, you know, people don't reach out. I'm like, come on, you know, I have some time, like, shoot me a couple emails or questions, you know, I'm like, let's grab coffee. Like, uh, I, my girlfriend starts working at 7am, you know, I I need people to go get coffee with. So
1: yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, I guess I'll add in a question before I ask you the final question is, how does NIL work with a international student athlete
0: yeah so that was part of the expansion plan um so it's because we start to have so many relationships with great coaches and massive athletic departments you know maybe there's a way to get into the sport agency world as well and representing athletes tremendous i mean you know i'm sure you've seen the news and you know like dune at lsu and all these athletes are making a lot of money it's it's the future and there's something to be done there it's a different world. It's definitely something you get all of. It's not an easy, again, you know, it's out of your comfort zone. Being an agent is not easy, but it's the same opportunity for international athlete. And so again, it's tremendous, you know, because think like, I think also what happens is you would make way more money in the U.S. doing the same thing than you would be making, being doing this thing in France. And so it comes down to the same for athletes. It's like, If you turn pro or get a contract, like a sponsorship contract in the US, all that money has, you know, it's tremendous value back home. And so you can invest it the right way. And so, again, you know, maybe who knows down the line, there'll be a partnership with you, (laughs) you know, how people can invest their money and do the right things when they sign those contracts. But yeah, there
1: is definitely a full long term plan there that could be evaluated. Love that. Love that. Yeah, definitely. Let's chat anytime about anything you want to do together. I'm always willing to have the conversation. Nico, how old are you? I'm 22. Okay. Yeah. So you're a little bit younger than me. So as you know, since you've listened to the the podcast before, the last question I always ask is, what do you wish you knew in your early 20s? But since you still are in your early 20s, here's what I'm going to ask you. What do you wish that someone told you before becoming an international student in the United States?
0: That's a great question. I think the main thing that was, it's never be afraid to reach out to people. And now I'll say this right now, shout out to my friend, Trace McGuire. He'll be listening to this. We were after COVID in this little house that we're living in with all the golfers. And I'm looking for a summer job. And he's like, you need to be a golf caddy, you know, like caddy for a golf course. And so my girlfriend lived in Dallas and he said, look, that's perfect You're just going to call clubhouses in Texas and ask them if they have a job for you. And I'm like, how do I do this? He dialed the number on his phone, puts me on it. And I'm like, what do I do? Like he just, I'm cold calling this guy, caddy, I don't even know what golf courses I'm calling anything. And that day I learned, don't be afraid, you know? And it's like, don't be afraid to talk about your feelings. Don't be afraid to take on opportunities. I started seeing this therapist, sports psychologist, any whatever you call her. She became the greatest asset behind my girlfriend, you know, but the greatest asset in my life, just helping with everything. And it's all of that came because at some point, there was a little part of me that said, look, it's out of the comfort zone, but if you do it, there'll be great things coming out of it. And sometimes I was pushed towards it, and sometimes it
1: was built off of past experiences, but I think that's the best advice right there. Nico, this is a, the one of my favorites, honestly. To hear your story is unbelievable. I, Quite candidly, I wasn't anticipating this or expecting this, right? But you have an awesome story. You have an awesome, awesome awesome work ethic about you and I can't wait to see where you are in the next two to three years and we'll have to come on and do it again and do another episode together so listen Nico that's it for today I appreciate you coming on and uh, looking forward to talking soon but just honestly you're an inspiration and I hope everyone takes something away from listening today
0: yeah thank you so much for having me and yeah feel free to reach out and yeah I think also one thing I was listening about last week which is pretty true and I could add on that it's uh you got to play with the cards that, you know, you've been dealt. And so that's one big thing as well. You know, it's like wherever you're at in your life right now, that's for a reason. And how do you move forward? And so, you know, how to use that. So
1: good luck with everything. Same to you, brother. Same to you. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right.
0: That's awesome.
1: Nicholas truly is the best of the best. He leads by example. He's an athlete, he's an entrepreneur, he's a hard worker, he speaks multiple languages. He truly is someone that I was so excited to bring on the show because of the energy and passion that he brought. I love to see young entrepreneurs hard at work, building their business from the ground up, especially Nicholas his business model and what he's doing right now, it's helping the youth and I love to see it. It's connecting the world. I, I truly, I love to see it. So I hope that everyone took something away from today's interview. And like I said, I hope this may encourage you to reach out to me. I would love to bring listeners on the show like we did today. So please reach out via podcast DM, follow the podcast at Pod. You can see more clips and look through some previous episodes there if you want to see, hey, which ones do I want to go back and listen to? And as always, remember, if you listen to this show, even if you listen for 30 seconds or you've listened, I think we're now, gosh, we're over 75 episodes, I think now, but I hold you all to a higher standard when you listen to this show. You must always lead by example, no matter if it's in the workplace, on the road, in the gym, in a classroom, no matter where it is, you must always lead by example. So, with that being said, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of your favorite podcast. Someone might ask you, hey, what's your favorite podcast? You tell them, the best of the best presented by the Maverick Teams. Thank you, everyone.